Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Sunday. What a massive day of action coming up. We look back at Corkamogie's win against Waterford in the Munster Championship. John McCarthy is on the way to review that. Plenty going on elsewhere in GA. Clare and Galway pulling off big wins. Clare in the Munster Hurling Championship. Galway with a massive win against Mayo in the Connacht Football Championship. Massive day in the Premier League as well. Liverpool are leading Everton 1-0, ticking on to 70 minutes there. We'll tie up all the other games there as well later on Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show talks us through the upcoming NFL draft and we hear from Muay Thai champion Ryan Sheehan who created history in Neptune last night that's all before 7 Yeah, Aidan Lee here with you until 7 on Cork's Red FM here on the big red bench and a lot to get through in this hour and let's start off with some local results in the Red FM Hurling League Division 1 and Group A it finished Killa 12 points Blackrock 121 Newtown Chandrum beat Newcestown 226 to 13 points in Group B Charleville and Cantork played out a draw 117 to 20 points and I think Ballymartle beat Mallow although I couldn't get a full time score on that uh, looking at rugby wasn't a great day for the Ireland women's team they were well beaten by Grand Slam chasing England in round 4 of the women's Six Nations it was 69 points to nil at Welford Road in Formula 1 it was a Red Bull 1-2 in the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix world champion Max Verstappen took the checkered flag ahead of teammate Sergio Perez who was P2 Lando Norris from McLaren made the podium in third Ferrari not a great day for them a home race at Imola as well Carlos Sainz retired in lap 1 wasn't really his fault Ricardo kind of tapped him uh, at the start and championship leader then Charles Leclerc uh, took a slide into the wall but managed to recover and come home in sixth that was laid on in the race and uh, Lewis Hamilton was 14th I believe even though his teammate Landon Norris or his teammate George Russell in the Mercedes was uh, P4 uh, on to uh, the Scottish Premiership Celtic have restored their 6 point lead at the top of the table and Japosta Chaglu's side recorded a 2-0 win away to Ross County uh, looking to the Gulf Ireland Shane Lowry and Ryder Cup team Aideen Poulter tee off their final round at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans 10 shots off the lead they get their Sunday underway in the next few minutes they'll start from 19 under par in a tie for ninth. not bad shooting but not good enough Sander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley of the USA lead uh, by 5 and 29 under par I don't know what kind of tournament that is but it sounds like even I'd, I'd shoot under par there uh, in snooker Judd Trump has resumed his second round tie with Anthony McGill at the World Snooker Championship in Sheffield this afternoon the 2019 champion leads the Scott nine frames to six elsewhere Jack Lazowski leads Neil Robertson Robertson nine frames to seven and their first to 13 uh, Mark Selby out of course the reigning champion he was knocked out last night uh, by Yan Bingtao right on to Premier League action 72 minutes gone at Anfield Delhi Alley is coming on for Everton it's 1-0 to Liverpool and it was Andy Robertson with the goal at the back post of course if they hang on for the three points Liverpool cut the gap to City to one point and Everton are now in serious trouble because Burnley beat Wolves this afternoon Peter Smith was there 
Burnley won Wolves nil in a victory that propels Burnley out of the bottom three, keeping huge pressure on Everton at Anfield. It what turned out to be a hugely committed performance. Burnley's twin strength force combined for the winner on 61 minutes as Vindra swept into the near post, converting Venkholz, low centre from the right. Pope did well when called upon, but Burnley's defenders put bodies on the line in preservation of their slender advantage to pull to their survival hopes. Burnley won, Wolves nil. Yeah, and it turns out sacking Sean Dyche might not have been a bad move after all three wins in a row. Um, I think they've picked up a draw as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not too bad for, for Burnley. Uh, Chelsea struck late to beat West Ham in the Premier League. Ian Beach has this full-time report. Chelsea won, West Ham nil. Substitute Christian Pulisic scored the only goal in the 90th minute of a game that only came to life in the final five. The vast majority of the game was a stalemate. There was barely a chance to speak of. But with five minutes left, Chelsea were Raw did a penalty. Craig Dawson was sent off for his foul on Romelu Lukaku, but Jorginho's penalty was saved by Lucas Fabianski. Despite that disappointment for Chelsea, Pulisic managed to sweep home the winner moments later. Chelsea won West Ham nil. Southampton came from two goals down to draw two all with Brighton this afternoon. Richard Newman. Full time, Brighton and Hyralbion 2, Southampton 2, the hosts throwing away a two goal lead of Southampton captain James Ward Prowse inspired a comeback. Danny Welbeck gave Albion a dream start after little more than a minute, tapping in after a mistake from Fraser Forster and a Mohamed Salasu own goal from a lovely Leandro Trossard cross doubled their lead. It was a reward for an impressive performance, but Ward Prowse pulled a goal back with a trademark free kick just before the break. His side showed far more intensity from then on, and he led the match nine minutes into the second half with a thumping shot from distance that rocked Brighton who grew into the match later on and Pasco Gross thought he scored a fine winner from distance only to be ruled out offside in the build-up probably a fair result over the match now Albion's wait for a home win in 2022 goes on it's finished Brighton 2 Southampton 2 yeah, now on to an absolute heap of GA action uh, today and uh, over the whole weekend, uh, really. Um, but we're going to start off with Camogie and the big game at Parky Rin. Cork are into the Munster Senior Camogie Championship final. They defeated Waterford 217 to 3-10 in what sounded like an absolute cracker of a game. We're going to hear first from Cork boss Matthew Toomey and then from John McCarthy who was at the game for the big red bench. Here's Matthew Toomey. Uh, Matthew Toomey, uh, a Munster semi-final win over Waterford. Hard earned though, a real test today for your players. What's your immediate reaction to your team's performance first of all, especially playing most of the second half at 14? I, um, I suppose for the second half the performance was all about courage like and, and character and that's what you're really really happy with like extremely happy like the first half like that's a different scenario um, we give away three soft goals which is very unlike us I just thought, thought we looked a bit leggy in the first half and very off with a bit we, we gave them space which you don't do to any senior team especially you know the teams that we're going to be playing later on in the year as well we just gave them too much space gave them too much respect and you know they punished us and we were like we were lucky probably not to be done more half time we were down the point we should have been done more but after the sending off the team took off in the run you know that's the real team like you players again with Murphy there came flying into Amy O'Connor absolutely brilliant you know the way they, they soldiered in there and the defending was brilliant you know like after the sending off as well to be fair 
Uh, you made quite a few changes as well today. Was that because just for the match of today, or were you forced into that because of injury? Forced into with injuries. Yeah, we've, we've we're carrying this about seven or eight injuries at the moment. Um, at the same time, we like we players that were in their minds. The likes, as, as I say, Emma Murphy there now has been going extremely well and did well when she came on in the league final. So we wanted to give her a good hour. Um, there's a few injuries that we're, we're kind of, like, there's a few more, a couple of weeks off, and there's a few probably more long term. But look, we've all a Corona back there, tagged out again today. She's just obviously a bit short. She hasn't um, done enough training. So look, she's back in the fray as well, which is you know, it's positive as well. And the sending off was controversial to say the least. There was a yellow card, there was a second yellow card quickly again for Laura very quickly and then she's, there seemed to be a bit of a conversation between her and the referee. Mm. What was your take on it? Look, I, I, I would never wear, or, um, go as a referee in my life so to criticise a man that does it what I, something I won't do but I just found it bizarre I suppose is, is the word. I never saw the likes of it before but look, I, I don't know exactly what was said out there. Um, it's just disappointing but look, again I suppose if we have to take a positive over the way we reacted after yeah. that was good to know. That's, that's the only feel I have with it um, You had some very good performances when you were down to 14 I think you really the players stepped it up you could see the effort and, and like they, they weren't going to lose this one today I mean you'll take a lot out of that second half performance Definitely definitely yeah, yeah that's what you want like I suppose again as I said we are probably disappointed they didn't bring that on themselves in the first half when we were under pressure but when the chips came down I suppose they really showed what they're made of that's that's what you I'd be really really proud of tonight, today going away that um, just when the chips were down we really pushed it on and could have possibly won by more but look we have to be happy with it overall and just finally what's next for you now in terms of the next couple of weeks in terms of preparation for a Munster final and what will you be hoping some of those injured players get them back as quick as can yeah we're, we're like I think Cleena Heat is going to be long term she's out for another about six weeks I think from what we're told so she's probably a few weeks off um, as I say just trying to get a bit of uh, hurling at the order Corona now um, Hannah Looney's back but look I, I suppose we have done very very heavy training even this week we were heavy training like it's we, like we have a plan in our heads to know there's no point to being to know we want to peak at the right time and we're hoping to do that like um, so for the next two weeks now we'll be just kind of trying to ramp it down a small but just trying to get more legs into them now again OK thanks very much thanks congratulations so much, thank you RHR was in Porky Rin for what was a fantastic game of Camogie, high scoring and Cork getting the win in the end. Yeah, Aidan, it was um, a lot harder than a lot of people expected. I would imagine coming into the game, Waterford made it really, really difficult for Cork today and deserve a lot of credit, first of all, before we talk about Cork's performance. Um, they have some fantastic players in Beth Carton, Moret O'Brien, Neil Brockett, just to name but a few. And they were well up for it from the very first minute. They were hungrier than Cork in the first half. They were a better team. And they deserved uh, a 2 5 to one seven lead at the interval, and it should have been more. Um, in the end, I think Amy O'Connor just had one of those games where we were just so glad that she, you get to see her in full flight. And she finished with one ten, um, and herself and Emma Murphy, Chloe Sigerson, and Saoirse McCarthy, as well as Ashling Thompson, who came on at halftime, were, were critical to Cork getting the win. It's a win. It's the Monster Championship. It's early in the season, then, but it was far from straightforward. Yeah, like they they were pushed all the way to the end and uh, two crucial scores towards the end just to see out the game uh, made all the difference. Yeah, I mean, the, the second half really was, was was kind of dominated by the sending off of, of Laura Tracy, which was bizarre. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, when they needed scores and, and they did need them uh, today, it was Amy O'Connor who came up with a goal uh, with about a quarter of an hour to go. Now, Beth Carton responded immediately for Waterford with another goal. And the fact that Waterford got in for three goals today, um, as we you know as we heard, like Matthew Toomey has a lot of work to do between now and when they face Waterford in the opening round of the All-Ireland Championship. 
But um, Amy O'Connor towards the end again with a couple of frees um, just settled things down. And Chloe Sigerson as well, her 52nd minute goal was equally important. But again, as soon as she scored a goal, um, they, they responded again. You know, so uh, they being Waterford, sorry. Uh, so yeah, look, crucial scores, very important individual performances, and the fact they played a good 22 minutes, probably plus, with 14 players in a, on a very hot day in Parker Ring, I suppose you take the positives from that. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a bewildering decision uh, by the referee. Two yellows for Laura Tracy and uh, 33 minutes she was sent off. Yeah, no, look, what happened was she got a yellow card, which was fair enough, but then she was retreating from the free and not fast enough for the referee's liking um, Mike Ryan from Tipperary. Looking, we don't like pointing out referees, it's hard enough to mm. point them these days in. But look, in this instance, if you get sent off for a high pull, for a, a, you know, for two pretty bad folds, you take it on the chin. This was just bizarre because she retreated eventually um, and it was at that point that something was said um, between the two of them and then a second yellow became a red. Um, but to be fair, from the positives from that, immediately Amy O'Connor landed two frees, three in a row actually, then Searsha and then Emma Murphy, another player we need to talk about because she played really, really well today. She took her chance when she got a starting berth on the half hour line. It was excellent all the way through, finished with four points. But it shouldn't take a sending off Aiden for Cork to start playing. But it did today for whatever reasons. Now they are in the middle of a very uh, tough training uh, session, a bunch of sessions as they said themselves there. But at the same time, that first half performance won't do against Walford and the all or any team. Second half performance was much improved and look, a lot to mull over. But a lot of changes today too in the team and a lot of players still to come back from injury order. Cronin, Hannah Looney is going to be back. So look, it's going to be a different Cork team when the All-Ireland Championship comes around and I think they'll just be glad to get away with the win today. Yeah, I'd say they'll face a couple of tough weeks off of uh, Davy Fitzo by the sounds of it. Obviously, he wasn't there today. He'd uh, media duties himself, which is fair enough. We we often see that with with uh, with, with coaches. But uh, I understand he, he likes to give him a, a good old run and anyway. He does, and um, you could see how tired they were. You could hear how tired Amy O'Connor was. I mean, even afterwards in the warm down, they were absolutely wrecked. Players that played that match now again, it was hot conditions. But you know as well, Aiden, as well as I do, when teams are in the middle of a block of training, you know the, 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 the energy that you see come championship just isn't there. But that's no excuse. They did not play well in the first half. They were too flat, and a really hungry, determined, well-coached Waterford team took advantage and with respect to Waterford a team like Tipperary Galway or Kilkenny would have done a lot more damage there today it's just a bit of inexperience I think to cost Waterford in the end but they certainly on this performance have a lot to look forward to for the summer they won't will they take out one of the big guns I don't know but they might rattle they might rattle a few teams people don't expect them to but look from Cork's point of view um, there's a lot of work to do you get the win and that's the most important thing um, Amy O'Connor starring and then Chloe Sigerson too playing very very well um, but there's a lot of things to work on the the manner in which Waterford got in for their goals would be a concern you, you can't be that open even at this early stage of the championship uh, or the Munster championship but I would imagine at this stage once um, if you return and get them back in the training pitch they may well be doing a lot more running in the coming weeks Yeah and look they can use this final now as a real springboard towards championship Exactly. I mean, that's what the Munster Championship, with respect to it, is. It's an important competition on the calendar. The teams definitely take it seriously. I mean, anyone that was here today at Park Ring would see that between the two teams. They just went at, went at it right from the first minute. 
some fantastic scores um, a, a, a strong wind as well we didn't talk about there was a factor and it favoured Cork in the second half and they made use of it with a couple of long range frees but from Cork's point of view they got a victory um, against a very very good opponent they gave uh, a lot of players a chance today to show what they could do in the round you know from start from the start like um, Eve O'Neill was one in, in a cornerback um, Kiro Sullivan started midfield and then on the half forward line as we mentioned um, Emma Murphy who was the standout player for me of those players as well as Kleena Dooley and uh, in it for forward as well we had Fiona Keating who's been, who's been suffering from a hand injury so a very changed Cork lineup, a very different one that we've been used to from the National League um, and as I said I suppose the key thing for, for, for Matthew Toomey and for, his ma- and for his management team over the coming weeks is when and how they integrate the likes of Orla Cronin, Hannah Looney, um, you know, Katrina Mackey and players like that will be coming back in. Sarsha McCartan's another player from County Down who, who suffered injury in the league. She's been missing for a while. She'll come into the into, into the equation as well. So they've got options, but they have a lot of work to do. And by their own admission, they still have an awful lot of work to do. But on days like today, when things aren't going your way, when you're down to 14 players, it's all about character. And we saw that with this Cork team in the National League final even though they lost to Galway there was real character uh, they just kind of faded towards the last quarter and lost out to the All-Ireland Champions but against Kilkenny earlier on in the National League as well I keep going back to that game it was played in a typhoon uh, which is complete yeah. opposite to what we had today um, they showed up that day Cork and they drew a game they could have won um, and that bodes well that bodes well for the All-Ireland Championship and what you're looking for Aidan finally is signs of positivity things to be you know, encouraged by wasn't the first half performance that we wanted from Cork the second half definitely and they'll take it and move on Yeah certainly we'll stand to them hopefully going down the line towards uh, the All-Ireland Championship and of course the Munster final as well uh, Jory you'll have plenty more reaction Thursday on the Women in Sport podcast great stuff today thanks a million Thanks Ed talk soon man yeah, Jar will have more on the Women in Sport podcast uh, every Thursday, of course. Uh, the big red bench, uh, redfm.ie, and he'll hear you'll hear from players Amy O'Connor and Amy Lee um, on the podcast this week. Liverpool are two 0 ahead against Everton at Anfield. Um, Eighty six and a half minutes gone. Dave Ockerigi with the goal um, it's his first goal since he scored against Everton the first Anfield goal since he scored against Everton in 2019 so Everton is about the only club he seems to score against Bar Barcelona um, and yeah God shocking defended by by Everton Mason Holgate just plays everyone on side for a professional footballer to do that it really leaves you wondering but then again uh, we all kind of flagged it when Frank Lampard took that team over what was he thinking because they're only going one way and that is possibly down to the championship uh, Claire B. Tipperary in the Munster Hurling Championship the banner won 321 to 216 in Thurless and we have a full time report from that one from Stephen Gleeson Three first half goals from Clare was enough to see off Tipperary here in this game as they beat the home side 321 to 216 at FBD Simple Stadium. The first half goals were courtesy of Ian Galvin and Peter Duggan before the third arrived from the penalty spot after Tony Kelly fired a bullet to the back of the net after Peter Duggan was fouled on the way through. Mikey Breen and Ger Brown alongside Jason Ford hit good scores for Tipperary with a sideline from Ford approaching half time 
bringing him back into the game but Shane O'Donnell added another before the break for the Bannermen to leave them ahead 3-11 to 7 points at half time on the restart Colin Bonner's side just got more into the game with Ger Brown soloing straight through the heart of the defence and firing a rocket in past the Clare keeper but it did take 12 minutes for the next tip score which was another goal after a speculative effort dropped in from Barry Heffernan straight in just past the goalkeeper and that really gave Tip some hope in this game but that really was as good as it got because Clare just put the foot down after that Peter Duggan with scores Tony Kelly with scores John Conlon pulling the strings at centre back Clare full value for the win here at FBD Simple Stadium they saw it out 3 goals and 21 points to Tipperary's 2 goals and 16 points Clare are back here next Sunday to take on Cork Tip will travel to the Gaelic grounds to meet Limerick here in Torless though Clare the winners here this afternoon 321 to 216 and what a massive game that is for Cork next weekend it's make or break for Kieran Kingston's men uh, much needed win uh, they, they'll have to go seeking uh, in Thurless next week and of course it would have been a lot handier having that game on home soil but not to be they will have to play it in Thurless and yeah like playing a game in Thurless this week by Clare and getting a huge win although you know I have to say myself it didn't give Clare much a chance of getting out of Munster and if they were to beat one team it probably would have been Tipperary and vice versa uh, the same goes for Tipperary um, but yeah they played really well in that first half as bad as Tipperary were Clare will be very very dangerous and we're, we have uh, some audio here from the Clare hurling boss Brian Lohan speaking after the big win over Tip Brian your uh, thoughts right after that? I'm sure look delighted with the win um, uh, delighted to get um, to get you know win down here it's a hard place to come um, and you know, delighted with um our display, particularly in the first half, I suppose there's loads of um, loads of errors that we made in the second half. But um, in the first half, you know, we were we were good. Those three goals, really, they were the the key moves in the match, and you got them early in the game, and then kept Tip at a distance. Yeah, kind of kept him uh, kept him at arm's length. Um, uh, um, you know, I suppose you know they were real tonics for us, like when 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 they came. So um, we're delighted with it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, like you had Peter Duggan up there as a real target man, and like Tip found it hard to handle him up there because he was really on fire. Yeah, look, he's um, exceptionally skillful player, um, so very good, um, very good with his hands, and uh, very good with his hurley as well. Like so, you know, anytime a ball is coming, he's 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 almost odds on to um, to get a touch in it, whatever about win a clean like, but he's 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 very good to get a touch in it. Yeah, like the work rate that you've got out of this team. Is uh, it was shown there from right from the off, and you seem to outwork Tip in a lot of sectors. What do you put that down to? Just that uh, effort. That is good, good, good bunch of guys. Like good, um, good spirit in the team. Um, they work hard. You know they've been working hard all year. Like um, sometimes you don't get um, you, you you don't get. Um, I suppose the, the plaudits for, for, for working hard but um, uh, the team has been really working hard uh, for the last um, for the last while like that you know those performances wins don't just happen like you know you have to have a bit of work done so we had we, we knew we knew we, we felt we had a bit, bit of work done um, um, so yeah just delighted with the win Did you feel Tip were going to claw their way back into that game in the second half or you know what were your thoughts there with about 15 to go when it, it started to get a bit closer yeah, I suppose we needed a couple of scores like and um, there was a period of, I think we, we struck three in a row like and, and that made a big difference you know just um, 
just to give us a bit of breathing space um, there for the last 10 or, or, or 15 minutes. But, you know, I suppose if you were looking at it clinically, we we, we, we didn't protect the, the, the lead as, as well as we could have. Um, so we'd have to improve on that. Yeah, and like uh, you're nicely set up. You've Cork next, but that's a different story, I suppose. Cork love Turles much like Clare this year as well. Yeah, well, look, um, yeah, do, Cork do love Turles, like, and, um, you know, the Cork are good you know good good team like um, serious pace all over the field like so um, yeah, it's another big challenge for us Do you feel this year has uh, you know a, a good chance for Clare this early season to come in second with all the other games played did uh, the turnaround for Tip do you think that affected their performance there in terms of work rate and things uh, I don't know now I don't know they, I suppose the worry that we had coming into it was that they were going to get a jump in us at the start you know that was that was the fear that you know they were up to the pace of Monster Championship and I suppose we, we put a lot of focus on that, that um, uh, we, we were hoping that they wouldn't get a jump on us and that we wouldn't be chasing the game um, uh, so you know it, it worked out in our favour Any injuries after it? Yeah a couple of injuries yeah so we'll just get working on those Yeah so Brian it's next week your quick turnaround isn't it? How do you find that? Quick turnaround yeah so we'll I, I don't mind the quick turn, turnaround so long as everyone is in the same boat like, and everyone is in the same boat so um, you know you, 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 you get your you get your games and then you get your break and I think every every team has two matches then a break and then two matches so it's it's, um, it's the same for everyone yeah, call, or sorry, Brian Lohan there uh, speaking to Stephen Gleeson after their win against Tipperary. It's full time at Anfield, Liverpool 2, Everton 0. Liverpool cut the gap to Man City at the top of the Premier League to one point again. And Everton are edging ever, ever closer to the drop, um, which will be quite surreal uh, to, to not have Everton in the Premier League. But it's, uh, it's quickly becoming a reality for the Merseyside club. Um, Tipperary hurling manager Colin Bonner also spoke after his side's loss in the Munster Championship at Semple Stadium against Clare. The clear, clear were full value for what they done there today. Um, just like Waterford, uh, we had a target on their back for maybe six, seven weeks. We were able to tune in on them, and I suppose cleared we had they had their tar- we, we were their target for six or seven weeks. They were able to tune in what in what we were about. They probably saw us against what in in Walsh Park, but yeah, they came at us hundred miles an hour, and um, yeah, it's just it's just disappointing that we put we that we left ourselves so much to do at half time, and even though we came out and, and, and fought hard and maybe scored two nine. Um, you know, with the breeze, uh, we scored a quick goal at the start of the second half. And for a, a team like the, you know, a young team, we need to build momentum. And we have maybe three or four pint chances. And before you know it, it's back to uh, eight pints or whatever. And you know, you're in with a fighting chance because a long bit of the game. But when they go wide, it kind of does deflate you more. And look, it's just something we have to learn. Um, games, you know, uh, unless you're willing to keep fighting it out and, and, and keep working with the team that you're with, it, it can, you know, you can kind of get out of it quickly. But you know. Um, Clear of just full value for the for the win in the end. That there was, I think it was uh, twelve minutes between the first goal and the second goal. We didn't score a point at the start of the second half in that period, and you know it was probably there. You had time to claw it back if we had. Yeah, and that's where we need to learn. Like we, we did come out and uh, we did start winning the, the hard ball that we were probably losing in the first half, and we put ourselves into uh, into score, and we weren't driving. We, like we had an awful lot of play in that first 15-20 minutes, and but we just needed to put more to scoreboard to, to threaten. Uh, clear and, 
and put a bit of doubt in their head but when those scores didn't come you know they were able to regroup and then come back at us and they got some 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 big scores near you know in the last 15 minutes that kind of just kept that gap between them I think the close we got to was maybe 7 points and that's not an, an awful lot in Harlem but you know um, I suppose we just need to be more clinical you know and that it was similar in Walsh Park we had opportunities yeah, and uh, that was uh, Colin Bonner speaking after Tipperary's loss to Clare in the Munster Championship. Uh, coming up after the break, we will review the day's action in the football, of course. Big wins for Galway and Donegal, and we'll round up the rest of the action there. And we also have the chat with Colm Cronin on the NFL Draft and we'll also hear from um, Ronan Sheehan uh, from last night's Mai Tai victory. That's all after the break. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7. Coming up, we have Colm Cronin on the NFL Draft and we have Ryan Sheehan on his massive win last night. Uh, Muay Thai world champion, of course. Um, looking at... Uh, we're, we were looking at the hurling championship before the break and Clare's big win over Tipperary. And, of course, last night uh, there was a huge game as well between... Limerick and Waterford and it was Limerick who shaded it in a, an almost classic uh, to be fair the last 10 minutes were, were, were in that territory uh, really good game and, and Tipperary edging them out Waterford finding two goals to really put the pressure on Limerick late on um, so it's up to Cork uh, now to, to go and, and beat Clare and they'll have to go and beat Waterford as well if they want to make a monster final but uh, certainly uh, looks like it could be Waterford and Limerick once again uh, meeting in the Munster final um, of course met each other in the Ireland final as well two years ago so they're well acquainted at this stage and Liam Cahill's men um, look like they're better equipped this year to take down Limerick and it's not a bad result all things considered on to the football Donegal are into the next round of the Ulster Senior Football Championship they beat Armagh 116 to 12 points in a game with plenty of needle in it of course after all the furore about suspensions and everything after the league game massive melee um, at the end of the Meath game of course and Armagh got their suspensions overturned Donegal didn't get their suspensions overturned because they didn't appeal them but it was Donegal who came out on top anyway and as we said Galway with a huge win over Mayo to progress to the semi-finals of the Connacht Senior Football Championship. Ashling O'Reilly reports. Full time here at McHale Park in Castlebar. It's Mayo 16 points, Galway 114. It was level at half time with Galway starting the strongest but Mayo quickly found their rhythm and came into the game. Less than two minutes into the second half, James Carr opened the scoring to put Mayo ahead by one for the first time in the game. It was quickly cancelled out down the other end by Kira Malloy who pointed from play to level things once more. Well, she Mullen left the field of play after three minutes into the second half due to a hamstring injury. 11 minutes gone and a well-taken Shane Walsh 45 put the tribesmen back in front. Substitute Killy McDay quickly added to that to put them two ahead. The tribesmen getting a lot of bodies back behind the ball, frustrating Mayo. Shane Walsh with a free-taking masterclass, kicking another two off the ground, giving the tribesmen all the momentum. Killian O'Connor propped over a free from out the field to get Mayo's second score of the second half with 23 minutes gone on the clock. It failed to build any pressure as Galway pushed on to kick two more from play. Mayo showed life late into the second half with
with scores from Killian O'Connor and Kevin McLaughlin to put just one between them. But it's Galway who held on to win by a single point, beating Mayo for the first time since 2018. The full-time score, Mayo 16 points, Galway 114. Yeah, Galway actually have a really good record in Castle Bar. 14 wins now to 11 um, uh, after today's win. And Mayo just never ceased to amaze. All Ireland contenders at the start of the year, they go and they get absolutely hammered in the league final by Kerry. And now they're out of Connacht after the first round. But look, we all know the the, the qualifiers will probably suit them because... They're, they're, I think they they just they work in a different uh, atmosphere to every other uh, team in the GA. Uh, but uh, yeah, plenty of GA action coming up again next weekend, of course. And you can hear all of the reaction to Cork's big game against Clare on the Big Red Bench uh, next weekend. Liverpool, as we said, beat uh, their Merseyside rivals Everton in the Premier League. Joe Rawson has this full-time report. Full-time Liverpool to Everton nil. A crucial result at both ends of the table. The Toffees were dogged and caused a threat throughout the game on the break, but their resistance was broken, and once it was, there was only going to be one winner. It was the unlikely Andy Robertson who got the opening goal midway through the second half, heading in Mo Salah's cross, and then substitute Dibok Arimi, a scorer of so many important goals for the club, secured with a close-range finish after Luis Diaz acrobatically uh, sent it across the six-yard box. The win for Liverpool means they move back to within a point of league leaders. Manchester City, an unlikely quadruple, is still on. Everton dropping to the bottom three. Their 68-year top-flight existence majorly at threat. Full-time in the Merseyside derby and finishes Liverpool 2, Everton 0. Yeah, Frank Lampard facing a massive record there of taking a club down to the championship for the first time in almost seven decades. Uh, it's a nice one to have on the CV for all Frankie, isn't it? Uh, moving on to NFL chat. Uh, I spoke to Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show because it's NFL Draft Week in America. And uh, it's actually, it is great fun, the draft, I have to say. Um, and it's, it's a really good way, uh, myself and Colm speak about it here, it's a good way of getting into the NFL if, if, you're, if you're looking to dip your toe, as Colm says later on. But uh, he talks us through what to keep an eye out for going into the week. All right, delighted to say that I am joined by Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show ahead of next week's NFL draft. Colm, thanks for joining us on the Big Red Bench. I'm delighted to chat to you again, uh, Aidan. It's uh, unbelievable that the draft has come around so quickly, but uh, that is the NFL season. We go from the razzmatazz of the Super Bowl to all of the potential and opportunity and hope that fans will have following the, the draft. Absolutely, yeah. It only seems like a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Super Bowl. It was a couple of months ago, but uh, it's come on as quickly, all right. Um, I suppose, first of all, you know, we're we're not all uh, NFL experts, I suppose, like like the two of us. Well, you anyway. Uh, but the, let's, uh, I suppose, give us an overview of the draft, and I suppose why it's such a big thing in American sport. Yeah, so it, it's unlike anything that say we have here in relation to, um, particularly obviously soccer. Right, uh, teams, you know, every year you, you, the 
generally the the wealthiest teams are able to accumulate the the best players whereas in the NFL they really put an emphasis on parity and on ensuring every team is competitive so with the draft these are players who are coming out of college who are now entering the professional leagues and essentially the worst team from last year will get the first pick and the Super Bowl champions um, would have the last pick Um, so you have 1 to 32 is the first round that's what most of the focus will will go on but you have seven rounds and essentially in each of those rounds there there are trades that we might get into when we're talking about players and, and stuff like that but essentially the worst team picks first in every round and then it works down to the Super Bowl champions picking at 32 in that particular round so the the you know um depending on the Rams would be picking at 60 uh, you know at 32 and at 64 having won the Super Bowls but they have actually given away both of those picks so uh, you will have the Detroit Lions picking at 32 and you'll have the Denver Broncos picking at 64 or slated to pick so essentially what you're saying is the worst team get the opportunity to get the best college players and it's huge for these players as well like especially when a lot of them are coming from really working class backgrounds and particularly I suppose you know the the different uh types of players like obviously when you've players coming from black communities who were probably facing a lot harsher realities in their childhoods um, like it's huge opportunity for them and like you, you can really see you know they always have these shots sometimes the players go to the draft sometimes they stay at home with their families and like it, it's, it's, it's life changing for these guys when they do get drafted yeah, so you're you're essentially talking about guys who, well, the, the rules have just changed. So for these guys, it, it won't really have applied. The, previously, college players couldn't get paid at all, right? So as you said, a, lo- a lot of these guys um, coming from low low income backgrounds, a, a lot of, of struggles, um, and all of a sudden they're going to get the opportunity to sign multi million dollar contracts, and um, it it is it is life changing, obviously for for them and their families and a lot of them you'll you'll hear them talk about you know the support that they would have had the sacrifices that parents would have had to make in order to get them the equipment bring them to training um, and all that sort of stuff and to have the opportunity to um, because the way it, it works is that they will be it'll be announced from the stage for the the first round and players will have the opportunity to come on to to the stage get you know um, meet the commissioner get a photograph with the the team's jersey who they have just been drafted to and that i suppose at that point it, it's the the you know all of the hard work that you've put in from being maybe four years of age up until most of these guys will be in and around 20 to kind of 22 23 it's the pinnacle obviously then there's the transition to the league which will follow but yeah it's it's an enormous night for for all of these young guys I suppose looking then at that, like the the players themselves, and sometimes we get these super drafts with quarterbacks galore. Um, I, this year isn't really that sort of draft. Um, where is the value? I suppose where are the where's the bulk and the depth of the class this year? What position are they in? 
Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one because it's you know everyone says this isn't uh, a quarterback heavy draft and that last year was a you know a real standout. We saw five guys go in in round one. Uh, now, as, as it happened, you know a lot of those guys last year, say Trevor Lawrence, even who was talked about as a generational talent, and and he should, but he struggled, and and Zach Wilson struggled. So sometimes um, the the experts can certainly get it wrong. Um, not always the case that the 2013 draft is one that's infamous for how just how poor the, the QB play was. But yeah, realistically, you're probably looking at um, two guys, uh, two quarterbacks who might go in, in the first round. Now, anything can happen in the draft, Aiden. Like teams can decide, you know, we have the opportunity and at num- and two, the Lions could say, we don't plan on drafting at number two again. We have the opportunity to get our number one QB, which is a rarity. Why don't we take that opportunity? So that that's one of the, the kind of interesting pieces. But what I think people will look at in this draft is the wide receiver position, because what we have seen in this offseason is wide receiver contracts have exploded. These guys are, are now getting paid, you know, 25 million a year when they get their second contract. Um, but what we have seen as well is the way in which the college game and the the NFL, the offenses, they, they've kind of almost, you know, they're very, very similar. So last year you had five rookies. So guys who got drafted last year who led their team in terms of receiving yards. Jamar Chase being the standout, one of the top wide receivers in the entire league, you'd have to say. Justin Jefferson did the same the, the year before. So the transition in, into the league for wide receivers, it doesn't seem to take as long. So what you might well see over the next little while is teams kind of really looking at the position and saying if we can get a guy on a rookie deal it's so much cheaper than having to pay a guy on, on his second or third contract I think that that's definitely one that you will see there, there's talk that you could see up to 10 wide receivers go um, in the in the first round the other um, is probably the, the edge the pass rusher um, because it's such an influential position and I think what you're seeing is the number one, the guy who's slated to go number one overall, um, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, um, who had a really kind of um, stellar year. But there's also talk that um, Walker from Georgia. It's interesting. He has risen up the draft boards. He's he, he's a kind of um, a freakishly good athlete. And the draft comes down to projection and what, what people think these players who played so well at college but how they're going to do in the NFL and remember they've always been the best player very often on the team that they've played for be it in high school in college but then you come into the NFL you're not necessarily the best player um, on, on at your position on your team you're also dealing with guys who are you know much much older than you who have been in the league a long time um, so it, that transition can be difficult so teams weigh a lot up um, so you you have th- those two guys um, and you have Thibodeau and there's a, a lot of talk about Thibodeau about whether how interested he is in football this is where right because he also he, he's involved in a cryptocurrency business and so there's some talk uh, about will will he will that be his focus rather than football and some of these stories get put out by teams who want 
um, other teams to think mm, maybe we should pass on him so that they can get him. So it, this is what's known as a lying season in the NFL because there's so much smoke and mirrors. Agents are leaking stories. Teams are leaking uh, stories. Um, and there's just, you know, the, the rumours that, that you hear as well. So it really is a fascinating um, kind of time. But definitely, I think wide receivers and um, and pass rushers, when we're talking about the, the top of the... Uh, the draft, that's what people would probably be looking for this year. You mentioned one of them there, Aidan Hutchinson, who looks like he might be going at number one to, I suppose, Jacksonville, who have the number one pick for now anyway. Uh, I suppose tell us a small bit about him and also some of the other uh, players that, that could be going really early in the draft. Yeah, so he, he um, I suppose M- Michigan is um, a, a powerhouse, a traditional powerhouse. They, they play, uh, their stadium is known as the Big House. It has about 110,000 people. If there are people listening who haven't seen it, definitely worth checking out on some of the videos on YouTube. Uh, it is, um, I suppose, on my bucket list of, of places to, to go because the, the ground actually physically shakes um, when fans um, kind of they jump up down before as the team come onto the field and it's actually measured it's 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 a seismic event um michigan had a great year last year and and he was a huge part of that and so um you know when you get a premier pass rusher and a guy who has what's called a high motor and that means essentially you can put him out there on every play some guys um because of their their physical makeup they're so big they can't play at every play or they're just they're not able to they're better if you're only putting them out there maybe 50 percent of the time he can go on it every down i think that's one of the reasons um he's known for his hard work he's known for his ability to pick up concepts and schemes so that's one but at the same time he he it, it will be very interesting because he's not considered to be miles garrett who went to the browns who's had such a kind of a stellar career in in the league von miller he he's probably more comparable comparable to the the bosses um and who who have been very very good and, and you'd have to say if you were looking at them you'd be, you'd be um pretty impressed if he um if he did that but again Patrick Mahomes wasn't considered to be a generational quarterback when he was taken and we we now see what what he has done so you never really know but he's kind of the the consensus number one and Walker was the other one who could potentially go number one and he's out of Georgia now Georgia had last year probably the best ever college defense there were guys who are going to go potentially in the top 10 um, who had to transfer out of Georgia in order to get game time which tells you just how good their, their defense was the other thing that Jacksonville could do, though, is they, instead of going with um, a, a pass rusher, they could go with a tackle. Uh, guys who play on the offensive line, guys who protect the, the quarterback. And and those are that's premier position as well, because if you can get um, a stud tackle, particularly a left or, or um, tackle, but now right tackle as well those guys can you know set you up for the next 10 years and if you have a franchise QB the most important thing is that you protect them the the Indianapolis Colts didn't do that with Andrew Luck Andrew Luck ended up retiring before reaching the the age of 30 because his his body was so beaten up because again those pass rushers who are 250 pounds and can run uh, a 40 yard dash in four seconds are coming they're coming head hunting so you got to get guys to protect your your QB so that is one of the interesting 
intriguing things, I suppose, in this um, draft. Everybody knew last year that it was going to be Trevor Lawrence at number one, that it was going to be Zach Wilson at, num- at number two, and that the San Francisco 49ers were going to take a quarterback. There was some debate about who it might be, but everyone knew the first three picks were going to be quarterbacks. This year, there is intrigue. Yeah, it'll probably be Hutchinson, but it mightn't be. And then what What the, the Lions are picking at number two, what will they do? The Texans at three, well, they could go any which way. So that's what makes this year's draft. I think there's so much intrigue. And so you'll see a lot of, um, I suppose, on, on Twitter, on social media, online, a lot of mock drafts, right? people kind of imagining what might play out. This year, it's so varied. There is absolutely no consensus about what the top 10 looks like. Uh, last year, you know, you might have little tweaks here and there. The top 10 was kind of set. Um, but people maybe felt like a guy at six, maybe eight. This year, it, it's so wide open. It's it's really, really difficult to, to pick. And guys who've been involved in this business for a long, long time say this year, almost more than any other, is really difficult to predict what teams will, will do. I suppose just looking at the franchise themselves, then obviously my own Giants, uh, I'm hoping for a big uh, uh, draft or them obviously with a new uh, GM and uh, we've quite a lot of picks as well so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that but who are the, the teams you think could pull off some big moves and uh, I suppose that you can't win the draft you can metaphorically speaking I suppose win the draft but who do you think can, can, can be the one that has a, a really standout draft and uh, set themselves up for a big season? Yeah, this is where it's interesting as well because ordinarily right that the draft um, every team to, in theory gets a pick but you can trade those picks for other picks or you can trade them for players so if you go back to 2016 2017 almost every team picked in the first round 95 96 percent of, of teams so essentially 30 31 teams picked um this year totally different only 75 percent. so only three quarters of the league will actually pick in the the first round um because there has been so many off-season trades and um some of that i think it is down to les sneed and the rams and, and they have kind of changed the the game they, they have instead of maybe going in the first second third rounds they've tended to trade those picks away for guys with proven talent because you know a you know, a, a bird in the hand is worth two two in the bush. You, yeah, you, you could potentially get somebody great in the first round, but there's no guarantees. So the teams to, to really keep an eye on, as you said, the Giants pick at, at five and seven. A lot of talk that they may look to move out of, of one of those, though, to acquire draft capital for next year because they're not sure about Daniel Jones, the QB. They may want to have ammo to move up to get a quarterback in next year's draft, which is considered a much stronger quarterback class. The Jets are uh, again the de- definitely the the two New York teams uh, both have uh, two top 10 picks so they're another to, to keep an eye on. Now the other thing that happened Aiden is the New, New Orleans Saints made a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles had three first round picks this year but they traded it away. There's a lot of speculation about what the Saints are doing there. Are they trying to put together a package to allow them to go up to get um, their top rated QB 
or are they just trying to, to add certain pieces? So they're certainly ones that um, I would keep an eye on. And again, probably the, the Eagles as well, because the, what the Eagles seems to have um, decided is that they are going to run it back with their QB, Jalen Hurts. Um, they're going to put pieces around them. But this is a, a really make or break year for Hurts. And if Hurts isn't good enough, they will have the ammo to go up and get a, a QB next year. So I'm kind of intrigued to, to see what they do. Do they give Hertz an, an extra weapon or do they look for kind of the what are called the blue chip defensive prospects, the can't miss, the guys who you can just, they'll immediately be on the field, they'll immediately play to a high standard. So the, those are the ones who are probably the most intriguing, the, the teams with the kind of multiple first round picks to see if they decide, right, let's take two guys um, who, you know, can immediately make a difference to us or do we try and, you know, kick to touch, um, get some picks for, for next year and, and play it safe that way. That's probably where a lot of the intrigue comes at the top end of the draft, more so than even some of the players this year. It's what will certain teams do and what will their general managers deci- decide to do? The head coaches might want the players. The general manager might be looking at the longer term picture and say, might be better if we have picks next year. Absolutely. Uh, I'd absolutely recommend if anyone has any small passing interest at all to just watch the first night because I've watched the last couple of years now and it is it is, it is great crack to watch. Like, And I, I think the, the the players that stay at home are often the kind of more interesting ones uh, when they cut to the... They always have a camera set up, of course, conveniently in the living room. Like, But uh, it, it's certainly great to watch when you see these players, their lives sort of like just changing before them. So, uh, yeah, definitely worth giving it a watch. Cullum, it should be, should be an interesting week. Absolutely. And um, we on the Irish NFL show, uh, we've been very fortunate. So we have Ian Rappaport joining us this week, the NFL insider, who's going to be able to kind of talk about maybe some of the things that might happen before the draft. And on draft night itself, we're going to be live, Aiden. We're staying up all night through it. And uh, we uh, have um, Sam Monson, uh, another Irish guy flying the flag with Pro Football Focus. And we'll have Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl and a 17-year scouting veteran from the NFL who will be joining us as well so absolutely it is good crack it is really entertaining and uh, it's, a, it's a nice way I think for people as well to dip their toe in uh, to the water if you're not sure about the NFL and you want to learn a little bit more this can be a good starting point Absolutely definitely thanks for joining us on the Big Red Bench Colm Thanks Aidan yeah, great stuff from Cullum there. As always, we'll finish up with a bit of Mai Tai now when Cork's Rangian created history in Neptune last night. The Nakanahini man clinched the WBC Mai Tai title and the ISKA title with a deserved win over Jomad of Thailand. Sheehan turning in an incredible performance over the last two rounds to win. Rory was at Neptune Stadium last night and very huskily spoke to Ryan after the fight. I am with the three-time world champion, WCB Mai Tai world t- champion, ISKA champion tonight. Ryan Sheehan Ryan can you put into words how you're feeling I'm overwhelmed I'm I'm actually fabregast at the moment because I can't even get the words out you know like there's a lot of a lot of work goes into this behind the scenes like it's two months three months training like a solid team behind me the support in the whole way like having the crowd cheer me on it just helps everything you know it makes it a little bit easier knowing that people have your back win lose or draw people are always going to support me so 
it's nice to be able to just have that feeling you know we spoke last week about the importance of it being a Neptune be the crowd and you saw that you would have the north side here which side, and it made a massive difference going into to rounds four and five I take great pleasure like knowing I'm representing my area because like you have to represent your area like Knocknahini and I'm just proud to be able to bring back these belts to Knocknahini and inspire the next generation coming up after me now like that's pretty much my goal mm. John Hodge was a tough opponent you expected that when we spoke last week how tough was he in there? Um, you're always going to have a tough fight against the Thai but when you're fighting a Thai at that calibre he's a Channel 7 stadium champion like a lot of people wouldn't understand that's like kind of been that's elite There's, you can't get any higher than that and I'm one of the very few foreigners who have conquered tonight there hasn't been a lot of Europeans or foreign fighters do what I just done so I'm holding my head high tonight Going into rounds four, well, start with the fourth round, I suppose. What's your feeling going in there? Because in rounds four and five, you caught fire and you really brought the fight to him. That's it. Like, um, I had a bit of a game plan coming in. I surprised surprise with him. Like, so, like, I knew if I win past three, three rounds, I'd have the tempo to push the pace that a little bit more. And I did tonight. And you could see he was, he was actually caught off guard like, at the pace. And that's what I'm known for, like, bringing the entertainment and just putting 100% on the line. He was a little bit cocky. I don't think he expected the uh, the ferocity from you. Yeah, I think he was. Um, I think he came out thinking he was going to have a, an easy night's work for himself. He probably underestimated me a small bit, but then again, look, he got he got shocked. <laughs> yeah, going into the fifth, then like he's tired, and you look like you're just start after starting. That, that that was the difference in the fifth. I could do another five right now, mm. minus the injuries. But yeah, definitely. Like going into the fifth round, he was he looked a bit like on edge. So I knew like if I just did that extra bit in the fifth round I get it what was the feeling like waiting for me to announce the, the result like that I genuinely didn't know how I was going to do because you never know what way the judges are going to score it so but in the minute I heard Red Corner Ryan Sheehan like I was like ah oh, yes <laughs> I couldn't look at you I couldn't make eye contact with you because I'd give it away uh, and you're the reason I'm hoarse now as well so thanks a million for that um, what's next I'm just going to take a few days off. Uh, we already got fight offers coming in, you know. Mm. Like we're just at that stage now in my career where like the fight offers come in months in advance. So myself and Matt will sit down now tomorrow and we'll we'll chat about it. And finally, to have broke up with that belt around your waist, what's that's a lifetime memory there? That's something I'm going to cherish with me forever. Like Boko just put two world titles on me. <laughs> like I don't think that's that hasn't been done. I'd say anywhere. Like, mm. uh, no, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling knowing that everybody here tonight is is happy with the performance and like the feedback has been great. Ryan, you were amazing. Thanks, buddy. Thanks very much. Yeah, great stuff there. That is it for us. We're out of time here on the big red bench. You can listen back on redfm.ie and all major podcast platforms. Joel will be on the way Thursday with his Women in Sport podcast and we'll be back Saturday 6 to 7. Green and Red is on the way next. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.